Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Ire, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. The Lord, Father, we love you. We adore you. You've made us family. We like it here. We like it with each other. And we're ready to see more people encounter the love that we found. We train for it. We prepare for it. We're intentional about it. And we thank you for the wisdom, for the strength, for the boldness. We are ready. We are locomotive. We are moving. We are active. We are valiant. We cannot be stopped. Our strength is increased. Our capacity is enlarged. And we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. All right, let's get into the teaching of the word. We're talking about something interesting. How to win souls. You see, I've told you time and again that Christianity is the miracle of changed desires. It's the miracle of changed desires. I remember when um, I was preparing for a prayer meeting and I wanted to, you know, lead all those, this was years ago, lead all those powerful prayers, changed and everything. So I gave myself a, a challenge. I wanted to pick prayers from the New Testament alone. And it was a struggle because I knew the expectation of the people. They want, you know, all those strange Jeremiah. There are some places, you know, you search when you want, you know. Scriptures that talk about honey and fire and the mystery of them mixed together, you know. But I went to Colossians and he was praying for spiritual growth. I went to Ephesians and he was praying for spiritual growth. I went everywhere I looked. This appeared to be the priority of God. Ah. And almost never did we even see any prayer centered on needs. And I realized that the problem with the church was a problem of desire. Oh, not that they're not saved, but they've not been taught that God has changed their hearts, redirected their priorities. I mean, when I saw those prayer points, I was disappointed at first. I kid you not. This was years ago, remember? You know, ah. so Paul, despite all your rev, not even once did you say, oh Lord God, my father, my father. Who's this, who's this send out your reward? Who's, you guys need to be careful in this church. Where is he? He's catching the Lumi Rema somewhere. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it took me time to adjust to New Testament prayer and to be satisfied with it. It took time to adjust to it, to be okay with it, to, uh, to embrace it as God's will. I said that for a reason. When people hear a, a teaching like soul winning, now this there is almost nothing else in the church that God is as passionate about. But 
But some people subconsciously, when they hear soul winning, is that, is that what they are talking about on Sunday? Oh, it's going to be boring. And that's proof that you still have work to do. Praise the Lord. And I would to God that after this training, when you hear about soul winning, you get excited. Hallelujah. Say loud amen. amen. It should be your passion to learn about this. Because God is, if you claim to love Jesus as much as you claim to do, you will care about what he cares about. You will care about what he cares about. Nobody wants to marry a guy or a lady who doesn't believe in their vision. Praise the Lord. One day my wife asked me, this book that I wrote, I won't tell you which one in particular, have you read it? I said, no. She asked me the next week, have you read it? Then she said, I will tell the church. Hey! <laughs> See me now. I open the book. I don't like novels. I've already told you the one. <laughs> I've already told you the particular book. I was like, oh. And so Amanda went. I said, hey, God. <laughs> Things we do for love. <laughs> but when she said she would tell people that I don't support her, ah, <laughs> no, praise the Lord. Well, what about God? You celebrate his generosity in your life. How about the passion to share that message with others? It has to be something you like. Listen, I'm not just saying this so that you will listen to the sermon. I'm saying this so that it will become your disposition from today to become interested in topics like this. And it's going to be a sign of growth. Say loud, amen. amen. And you see, God is such a motivating leader. You see, there are different types of leaders. Some of you know maybe your boss is at work. You know maybe born with a silver spoon, maybe platinum. You, you, there are some people you will see. You will know their hand has not touched sand before. Very soft. <laughs> you know this one? So when they are shouting, you know, they, they don't understand. But when you're working for someone who can do what you are doing and maybe has done it before, it's different. Do you understand what I'm saying? It becomes inspiring. And when it comes to the subject of soul winning, I want you to see how inspiring God is. Because what he has asked you to do, he has shown great example. Great, great example. Look at Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Now this is a teaching on the mentality, the disposition of a soul winner. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Are you there? He says, let this mind be in you. So he's telling you how to think. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, you see, the original says, in very essence, God. He says, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He didn't see equality with God, something to be held on to for his own advantage. He was willing to lay it aside. Listen, 
At the first anniversary of this church, I said something. I said, many people will not understand the difficulty of the incarnation. If all that salvation required was just for God to humble himself and take on flesh, it's difficult enough. You, will ne- you may never understand it. To take on flesh, some of you who have started earning money, you have a secret fear that you might be poor again. <laughs> maybe not everybody. Maybe, or maybe some, some of you are like, I don't really know what that is. I'm not really earning a lot of money. Don't worry. But <laughs> I'm just teasing you. But one of the first reflexes we have when we begin to touch money is we want to protect it. In fact, we are less innovative when we grow bigger. Generally speaking. I've heard people say this, that sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to go back to how I used to be. I don't want to go back to how I used to be. They're careful, they're cautious. There is, there is a type of car you will start driving, you don't want to go back again. A type of phone you will start using, you don't want to go back again. I don't want to segregate. I would have told the particular type of people that use a particular type of phone to shout hallelujah, but not, not in church. But you know, we know, Abi. <laughs> All right. In fact, it is possible you start dressing in a particular way. You no longer want to dress that way again. Now think of God stepping out of deity to take on flesh. Listen, he was a man. He became a man. You, the Bible says... Just so that you understand it. You, we are all human beings, so you won't understand what's there. He became a man. (laughs) See what the Bible says, verse 7. It says, but he made himself of no reputation. So, becoming a man was what? Him making himself of no reputation. (laughs) Just imagine... I can never understand the love of God from a natural standpoint. That, okay, I'm a scientist, I get creative, I create robots. I tell them, if you do this, your, 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 your cells or whatever, your programming will be affected. And they do what I ask them not to do. And now they need redemption. And I say, okay, I'm going to become a robot. Who get time? Did I not warn you? then you say only for 33 years. Ah! Just imagine the class difference between deity and humanity is infinitely greater than the class difference between a human being and a dog. But just imagine you created a dog. And then dogs need redemption, and you have to be a dog for 33 years. Next time when we're singing, what manner of love? You better sing it well. (laughs) You may never understand. Then you, even your younger brother, if you walk past him and he doesn't greet you, you say, you can't greet, you can't greet. (laughs) Then the Bible says, he came to his own. His own received him not. You may never understand. 
Some of you don't like to be snubbed. Do you know what I'm saying? You like attention. And the one who deserves all the attention in the universe, he was walking for a while. People even mocked him. Praise the Lord. He was losing, quote unquote, a fight that he could win easily. They were beating him. Beating him. They beat him. They spat on him. And at any point in that process, he could have switched it up real quick. As they raised their hand, they just turned to something creative. Like, I would have said salt, but he has done that before. I'm just saying what I would think if I was in his shoes. Maybe we were tolerating everything. They beat you. You say, okay. Punch you. Hmm? Okay. Then they now spat on you. Ah. You just take the spit. Roll it into something dangerous. Like an atomic bomb, but the type that man has never seen. And just fireborn his destiny, you know? I'm not wicked, I just, I'm just, I'm just imagining. <laughs> or cause his body to disintegrate gradually. <laughs> Some of you are worse, they're like, Pastor. Yeah. It's not my fault, it's the movies. and took upon him the form of a servant. He came to serve. He came in the likeness of men. This is so winning. So, what was done in the provision of salvation, it is the same mentality in the announcement. You have to understand that. It takes humility. It takes humility. It takes intentionality. It takes a willingness sometimes to step out of your glory, your privileges, your comfort zone. What we're talking about, your own, is not even as difficult as what he did. And that's, see, we're held up to high standards. We're held accountable. What excuse are you going to give him? He came all the way down to do what much more than he's asking you to do. He's just saying, tell it. I've done all the work. Just tell them. Please, are you with me today? Praise the Lord. Took upon him the form of a servant. He humbled himself unto death. Even the death of the cross. What a man. Let me tell you this. Even when he had the opportunity to show off a little, you know, he only took three people. Three of his disciples went and was transfigured before them. And he says, don't tell it to anybody. Do you know what it means to have capabilities that you want to keep a secret? Some of you, you're not even capable of hiding your new car from social media. <laughs> Tables. 
Do you know how it itches you to show off the things that you have? So imagine you, you are the son of God and you want to keep it a secret for 33 years. You want to make sure that they only believe your teaching of the word, the scriptures. That's, that's their, f- I mean, all these arguments, the Pharisees, if you just glow up a little in front of them, that's all now. Just glow up. Just a little. Think about it. And you, you hide that. Even the people that saw it, you, you warned them. It was an instruction. Don't tell anybody. Ah, ah. What kind of love? What kind of love? That sinners were comfortable. I still have an issue comprehending this part. Sinners were comfortable with him. I mean, comfortable. It was the religious people he had problems with. I mean, they they would hang out and not feel out of place. Some of you, two years in the faith, sinners already feel uncomfortable around you. I was there before. When I first got born again, the first thing I did, I bought one Bible. It was big like this. I'm not joking. It had four translations. Then I will carry it to every service. You will know that I have Holy Ghost now. <laughs> you think it's easy? You see everybody in the house? Red Bible carried like this with oversized suit, oversized suit, oversized Bible. Start walking. Oversized suit, pencil trouser. Look awkward. The moment you show up, they know why you are there. You are here to preach. You are here to preach. Not them. Not them. They know you. Praise the Lord. But Jesus was able to blend in. We're going to talk about that a little. Hallelujah. And I remember even recently I was studying Jesus and his life carefully. And I asked myself a very salient question. I said, am I honestly willing to have this brand? It's not easy. Church people are unnecessarily suspicious, even when there's nothing. Talk less of, you know, when you're actually reaching out to sinners, you're going to a club. You're just scrolling through, maybe... The IG page of a club, you stumble on it, assuming you don't, you know, check it out. And then you see your pastor. <laughs> Can you have a pastor like Jesus? It's an honest question. He was in the news all the time, very controversial. All the time. So you had heard about Jesus of Nazareth Evangelical Ministry. You're like, oh, He's coming to our town. I'm getting ready to see him. I can't wait to see him. Then you just come. You see the baddest girl in the area. She knelt at his feet and she's rubbing her hair on his leg. Like, what rubbish is this? What kind of... What kind? And she's crying. <laughs> do, you know, do you know how you know that she was a very bad girl? Even the Pharisee knew her. 
There are different types of badness. There are some people, okay, for instance, some church folks don't know some secular artists. But there are some, that, except if you are not in the country, you will know. You have heard their name before. Praise the Lord. I won't give examples. Don't look at me. And just picture it. Maybe you've not pictured it before. Son of God, full of the Spirit, you are there, ready to heal, ready to deliver. And a lady squats. Just in, in, in Pastor Mayo now. I, <laughs> I wish we could demonstrate it and see the awkwardness. Anyway, don't worry. And then she breaks an oil perfume. He's rubbing it on his leg. Maybe, maybe, I don't want to spoil that story for you. But listen, he saw the sincerity of her heart. And he saw that she was trying to honor the way she knew how to. And here's the part that gets me the most. He knew there were religious people around. Can I tell you something? There are some things, some sacrifices we're able to make as long as church folks are not there. But church folks were there and he was more concerned about the lady's soul. I know they would misunderstand it, but, you know. And just to clear the air, he, he, he talked about it. I don't know if you are getting what we are talking about here. How to win souls. We have a standard. <laughs> so now, you have to learn to walk with God. Because you have a God who loves sinners so much, it will make you uncomfortable if you are not careful. I've told you this time and again. Some of us don't just have the discipline to be able to tolerate the grace of God. Even in the local church, maybe there are people who are still growing, you know. Let me tell you this, if you have not heard it before. A pastor cannot treat all church members the same way. Because not everybody is at the same level. What I'm telling you, I found it true even in my own family. You know, when my brother was growing up, you know, because he was a boy, a little boy, the, the little boy I'm talking about, I don't bros now. He grows so fast. You know, but he'll be doing some things. And my parents would say, leave him. I'm like, what, which kind of thing is this? When they go, I would deck him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand. I said, they are spoiling him. But they were showing him grace. My parents actually never spoiled any one of us. And when I thought about, one day my mom asked me a question. She said, the way I'm training him is the same way I trained you. Did you spoil? Many times, even the grace that we receive, we find it hard to extend it to other people. We find it very hard. It's the same thing even in church. Jesus himself told a parable. He said there was a, a master of a vineyard. He had a vineyard and he employed people to watch over that vineyard the first hour. The second hour, he went out, he saw more workers, he employed them to walk, walk on, on that same vineyard. The third hour, the same thing. The fourth hour, the eleventh hour, the same thing. And at the end of the day, he gave all of them the same pay. Now, ask yourself objectively. If that was you, will you revolt? Just small, like, uh, uh, why now? I walked 11 hours. He walked one hour. Why are you giving us the same thing? At least you will ask. 
I'm letting you know the kind of God that you serve. So, you have to have a disposition that tolerates the lavish grace of God on the undeserving. When he is making sacrifices for them, he's accommodating them. Don't stand in his way. Praise the Lord. That's your God. You might have read the story of the prodigal son. And it's, it's easy to assume that, oh, that older brother, he did the wrong thing. But it's not easy. Because some of you, you don't even realize you're doing the same thing. Are there not people in church that make it so difficult for sinners or new converts to assimilate themselves? People are still learning the gospel. You're like, why is that dress like that? Why is, and, and listen, I'm for decent dressing. Praise the Lord. But you don't have to chase them away with your facial expression. We, we labor over them, pray. You know, they come to church for the first time in 10 years. Then your obsession is about their earring. Why so big? You're like, what type of wig is this? And I'm not saying decent dressing is not important. But hey, can you accommodate people's process? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Can you put first things first? Of course, if you are a worker and then you wear pocket square to church, <laughs> we're going to ask you what's going on. You know pocket square? That thing that men put in their suit pocket. Some use it to sew dress. You go to jail or give me half yard. Do you have half yard? <laughs> Think about it. So Jesus actually reached out, reached out to them and preached to them and got them converted. And for you to know that even if they believed, they still had a lot of growing to do. When people saw that lady with the alabaster box, they would, it hurt them. What is she doing here? At least go through the membership school first. <laughs> Hide yourself. Then the pastor will now announce, first of all, I just want to tell you there's a new member of our church so that it won't be awkward. You know, things like that. We like formalities like that. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, I think, Jesus saw Matthew, <laughs> a tax collector, he, wa he was walking with customs. Hey, you know when I saw it in the Bible today, my heart skipped. <laughs> because customs. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> you think police is corrupt? Try customs. So, I had a car in Lagos. I wanted to bring it to Abuja. They claimed... Now... The former owner of the car, respectable person, reputable person, an agent that got the car for me, got to meet the person. He mentioned the company. He's, he's not a small boy. He's a manager somewhere. And so he followed due process, got an authorized customs agent to do his customs paper for him. They said it's fake. Now, if it is fake, why do you have agents or agencies working with you producing fake documents. They don't care. But when they catch you with the car, it's a problem. 
It, it's, it's organized crime. So you pay money, they have you, the, the custom stamp there, but it's fake. And so, you know, as a pastor, man of God, I don't want Wahala. They say that one is fake. Okay, let's do the proper one. Got a customs agent from a reputable car company, Cars 45, you know, did everything. They were bringing the car, and then the car was seized. They said the document is also fake. So, can we give you the number of the agent so you go and arrest him? He said, no, that's, that's not none of their business, that the document is fake. And the moment they seize the vehicle like that, they, are le- they have legislative right to auction the car out. What I'm telling you is, is I, f- I felt tempted to call down fire. <laughs> I said, forget theology. All this love, all the overwhelming, whatever. I said, leave them. Let's... Because the guy who was there for, uh, there for me, he put the phone, he was recording the conversation. And so the guy, I was hearing it and the guy didn't know. So he was like, the owner of this guy is a pastor. He said, eh-heh, eh-heh, Shebi church was Sunday. And the Sunday was just too, Shebi has collected offering. Tell him to bring money. When I heard that, my stomach was turning me. I came out of the office. I was tempted to say, you, 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 you that said that thing. Hi, but God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And he told us, he said, go and call anybody. Call anybody. This is, you will do it. So, long and short, we have to pay again. And when I'm saying pay, I'm, talking, I'm not talking small money. Can't you see how long I'm using to preach on it? <laughs> it's paining me. <laughs> so when, when, when I read in the Bible, that Matthew was working with the customs. I was already pissed. Just this morning, I was like, you. <laughs> and then Jesus saw a customs official and said, hey, let's, I want to come to your house and have dinner. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously, Lord and Savior? <laughs> Help us deal with these people now. Praise the Lord. Now, look at Jesus' approach. He went to have dinner with a sinner. Just picture that. But, but you know our approach today? You, you carry a megaphone, then you wear, you dress like a traffic warden. You wear green vests and start shouting on the road, disturbing everybody. A, church, a lot of churches are so insensitive. You are having vigil. Your megaphone is facing the houses of, of people disturbing, they cannot sleep because they are serving God. And you want them to like your Jesus. Attended a university. One of the punishments is they will ask you those ones. They said, write out the book of Luke, handwritten. Do you know how long Luke is? <laughs> Go and check how many verses are in Luke chapter one. Just check that one first. He said, write it up. By the time you get to chapter 5, you will hate Bible. When you, in the church, when they say open Luke chapter, it will haunt you. The memory will haunt you. People were suspended for not bringing Bible to church. Academic suspension. Because of a flaw in their devotion. 
things have to change. We have to stop branding Jesus the wrong way. Now, as I'm reading all these things, maybe you are even shocked. Ah, is this the same Jesus? It's the same one. Oh. I don't know how they presented him to us like that. Look, I mean, just look at Jesus with the Samaritan woman. The woman legit thought he was checking out. Uh, okay, I'll prove it to you. Can I prove it to you? When <laughs> you, you want to ask a lady out, or you want to get close to a lady, if she doesn't like you, she will throw that I have a boyfriend thing early. She can even reply second sentence. When you just slide into the DM, say, hello. She say, hi, I have a boyfriend. Just <laughs> straight up like, get out of my life. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> but when you, when she's thinking about it, and you say, I in a relationship, and you say, it's complicated. Just know. <laughs> they are thinking about it. <laughs> Am I saying the truth or not? Now, when Jesus told the lady, go and call your husband, what did she say? She said, I have no husband. She has five. Oh. <laughs> five. She said, I don't have. <laughs> Believe what you want, but a lot of theologians actually agree with me. The lady kept the options open. Ah, you know, never can tell you. It's <laughs> not bad looking at all. She beheld his glory full of grace and truth. <laughs> then you know, men of God those days always wore fine shoes. John the Baptist said, whose shoes and latchets? I'm not worthy to untie. Paul now corroborated it later. He said, how beautiful are the feet of them? You see, when you receive a divine call, God will first change your shoes. That's why... Wait. Wait. Listen now. Let me give you one more scripture. When Moses was coming, coming to the burning bush, he spoke and he said, move your shoe, move your shoe. What type of shoes? I remove it. This, this is holy ground. <laughs> now, play. Oh, someone is writing it down. That, ah, I've learned something in church today. I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, I, I learned something from Mount Moreau of blessed memory. And I want to read it to you. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 verse 16. It says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves to be therefore wise, or be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Everybody read that together, one to go. Why are you reading like draw soup? Read well, one to go. So, 
That means, just the same way, you know, from the disposition of doves, you can liken them to gentleness. I know it's just simile. I'm, simile doesn't always add up like that way, but usually there would at least be some basic characteristics that make sense. Nobody will ever say be as gentle as goats. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. And if he said be as wise as serpents, it's because there are certain elements of that reptile that you can learn from. And he, he said that he discovered from natural world, that's where we all learn from now, a serpent never attacks a prey without studying it for at least 10 hours. 10 hours. If it's a bird, you study how it lands, how it takes off. It's a lot of diligence. Study the routine. Study the habits. Study the capacities, the strength, the everything. At least 10 hours. Praise the Lord. And I see, for instance, I always, I can't get over the fact that when Paul was in Athens in Greece and he wanted to preach to them, he knew their culture. He knew that, in fact, he said one, in his preaching, he quoted one of their poets. And it's not from there. That means he had studied the culture so that he can reach out to the culture. Do you get what I'm saying? For you in your preaching to say, even one of your poets said, we are his offspring. So if we are his offspring, that means we look like him. He brought it into his teaching. He said, I beheld your devotions. I've studied, I've observed your devotion. Why is it that we claim that our major task as a church is to reach out to the lost, yet we don't know what Muslims believe, we don't know what Seventh-day Adventists believe, we don't know what atheists believe. In fact, our evangelical strategy is to prevent ourselves from error. The moment you start studying about it, they think you, you, are, you, are, you are derailing. Why? Self-preservation is the greatest threat to evangelism in our world. We just want to make sure that we, we shall make heaven. The, mo the, mo the moment you begin to tell someone about Jesus and the person is doing like this, beginning to question you, how do you know the Bible is the word of God? That's the last time you will talk to him. Isn't that true? Because first of all, we've not even learned to defend what we believe. So we are so defensive. We don't want to hear. We are, we are actually scared. We act like our salvation is so fickle. We don't have the fortitude to actually reach out to people. Praise the name of Jesus. Many ministries are actually only reaching out to decent people. People who already have sense. They don't just believe. But who is reaching out to the people who are actually lost? Who is reaching out to them? When we want to evangelize, we scan. Ah, really? <laughs> I don't want to call it slap. Praise the Lord. Just imagine that you wanted to reach out to someone in your office and you give it time. Listen, I'm, I'm still going to give principles, of course. You are, you're going to meet many strangers and you're meant to be able to reach out to them also. 
All right, but I'm just telling you fundamentally, and this is even a good place to start. You start learning about the person. Because many people just see unbelievers as coupons, you know, an opportunity to gain more jewels on your crown. You don't really care about them. You don't, you, you want to share tract. You didn't ask how was your day. I hope, maybe he's there thinking of how to commit suicide. I don't care. You just say, stop the smoking and wear it. Mean he's scared. You just say, take. Tomorrow may be too late. <laughs> Has anyone ever given you a tract and you're like, what kind of, what, what kind of evangelism is this? Almost just force it in your hand and walk away. No hello, no, nothing. A friend of mine called one of them back. He said, come preach to me. Ah! <laughs> Praise the Lord. So that was one thing he said you could learn from a serpent. Another thing is this. There is no hole, almost no hole too small for a serpent to squeeze himself into. You know, you see them in some places, you're wondering, how did, how did they get in there? And at the same time, there is no prey too large for them. You see, a, sw- a serpent swallow a pig, pig. Because they can, they can enlarge their, their jaws, all right? Their jaws are flexible. So imagine such a disposition where there is nobody too small for you to preach to and nobody too big for you to preach to. Nobody intimidates you and there is nobody you are condescending towards. You're ready to preach to the cleaners, to the drivers, and you're ready to preach to the managers. It doesn't matter how many blinks they have, they need salvation too. And you're bold enough to say it as it is. You are nice, you are polite, but you're confident. Hallelujah. He said, that's something else to learn. And the last, which I've been talking about, is camouflage. Can you spell camouflage? See how your neighbor is writing it. Everybody write camouflage. Let's, I'm just playing. Some had camouflage. They didn't write it. Tell us. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Just the fact that many times, you just talk, a serpent is somewhere silent. By the time you see it, it's almost too late. I remember... When I was in primary six, I was entering the house with my elder brother. We were already in front of the serpent before we saw it. It was just in front of the door. Because it can blend in with the environment. Can I tell you why so winning is so difficult for most of us? <laughs> you already know. Because to begin with, you can't even make friends. That's the first problem. You are so obnoxious. In the office, they know you. When you are praying, everybody, everybody must know. You will disturb. And when they tell you, reduce your voice, they say, persecution, persecution. <laughs> Perse- blessed are those that are persecuted for Christ. Hallelujah. Think about what I said. I said Jesus was called friend of sinners. He ate with them, had lunch, had dinner. 
hung out with them. I definitely didn't do the kind of stuff that they did. But they were comfortable enough to be with him. Think about God manifesting the flesh. Having such a decent conversation with a woman who had had, you know, several failed marriages. And she, she talked with him, you know. And after that, you know, some people can ginger. You just heard, heard the gospel now. You are running. You want to go and preach. Come and see. Some will say, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. You don't qualify. Go to membership school first. What do you know? He didn't stop her. Praise the Lord. Imagine having lunch just for the purpose of showing care to that person, first and foremost. I'm presenting the gospel to the person in such a way that even when, can I tell you something? The disposition of the church is such that just by our actions, these guys feel condemned. So by reflex, they are determined to vindicate themselves. So they don't want to hear what you have to say. They, just, they shall want you to know that they are not as bad as you say they are. That's, <laughs> that's the bone of contention. Hallelujah. So imagine if when you're preaching the gospel, they can actually discern care and affection. They don't just see you as someone who is trying to do what they taught you in church. They don't, don't, don't just see you as someone who is being overzealous. Like, they actually, they know, okay, this guy on a normal day has my back. You know, Nabil Qureshi said that. He said, you know, he was, he was Muslim, very Muslim. He had a Christian evangelist roommate. And even though they were arguing, he knew that normally when it came to any other thing, this guy could actually really die for him. So, somehow, their debates, theologically, did not affect their friendship. And that's what one of the things that endeared him. He was patient enough to listen and to listen again. If truly we've been sent to evangelize the world, making friends must be one of our greatest skills. Jesus was so friendly. Jesus, you just see Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is, you know, is trying to farm, but Jesus took initiative and said, I'm going to come to your house. He must have felt, ah, Jesus, you that have been hearing about my house? Oh, don't worry. Stop it. Come, come down. Let's go. But you, small blow. The blow never complete. Or the W has not still come. It's just B-L-O. You can't make friends anymore. Have you noticed that the richer people get, the more they seclude themselves. I learned this from a pastor friend. The moment... See, many people, the only reason they have friends, the only reason they're in their life is because they are still hustling. When the money comes, they buy a house in an island. They don't like neighbors. They don't like neighbors. Then you, best friend, will see them on the road. Ah, I've been trying to reach you. So, uh, sorry, I've been busy. <laughs> rich people always have crack voice. Praise the Lord. So, so for you to be the son of God and you are initiating relationships, telling people I will come to your house. It's the people who are even saying, oh, don't worry. You say, oh, your servant is sick. I will come and heal him. They're like, ah, no, I'm a man under authority. You speak the word only. It's the people who are saying that. He was always willing. Praise the name of Jesus. 
Are you learning anything? Okay, so let me try to put all that I've been saying into simple points. And I'll just give you an instruction, all right? The first thing is, especially as we enter into a new month, I want you to reach out to, let me say two people. I'm saying two people, got be people because I want you to be effective. And I want it to be people who you have proximity, close proximity to. Maybe a colleague at the office or someone in your area. Please, for now, boys reach out to boys. Girls reach out to girls. Sheuna here. Because there are evangelists in the world also. <laughs> oh my God. They will minister to you. You'll be shocked. So for now, keep it that way, all right? And before you even just block the person and start, take time to learn about the person and to care about the person and to pray for the person. So maybe for one week, you see, the first time the Lord taught me this. I was praying for two people. I, it was during my IT. So I said, I'm not going to go to work tomorrow. I'm going to pray for this lady and this guy. So I, I, just, I just prayed for them. I prayed that I would have boldness. I prayed that the enemy, all right, every manipulation of the enemy to try to make him stubborn or trying to make him blind is going to fail, you know. And so I went to work the next day ready to approach him and you know I'd planned everything to my greatest shock because I was in the field when I got to the office they said oh this guy came looking for you I was like, I was like really the same guy I wanted to reach out to few moments later the guy came in and said I want to talk to you can we step outside I said sure stepped outside he said you know yesterday I just had this this urge I want to know Jesus. Can you preach to me? <laughs> I said, oh my God. I said, oh really? <laughs> said, I said, when did this thing start? He said, yesterday. I said, oh. <laughs> True life story. Changed my life. Both of them are born again today, the two people. Hey. Hallelujah. So how about you just spend time praying? Can I tell you something? If you have prayed for them, you won't be so shy to talk to them. I bet you, anybody you pray for well, you can talk to. Did you hear what I said? If you pray for them, you won't be shy to talk to them. So number one is what? Pray for them. Maybe you can put study them as number two. I think I mentioned that already. Study them. That's to know about them. You need to know about them to care about them. You are winning souls. You don't remember their name. You don't know their name. You don't care. Hallelujah. You know? When you come to Jesus and Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. You know, if you feel noticed. Ah, praise the Lord. And then number three, care for them genuinely. Care for them. I'm talking about these particular people you are going to reach out to. So one day you just buy them lunch. 
Send them a text randomly saying, I'm praying for you. You've, you've been on my heart. Are you good? Is everything okay? I'm praying for you and all of that. Show them care. And then, of course, finally, you're going to preach to them. And you're going to preach accurately. You need to know what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. Hey. Praise the Lord. An expose on sin and its adverse effects is not the gospel. The gospel is good news. The gospel is what Christ has done about it. Many evangelists try to tell people what they are doing wrong. The funny thing is they already know. What they need is the solution. What has Christ done about it? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. You know, many people are preaching, women don't wear trousers. I actually thought that false doctrine has ended. I, th- I thought. And by the way, I advocate for decent dressing. If you're wearing trousers, be decent. If you're wearing skirt, be decent. Some skirts are worse than trousers. Yes or yes? <laughs> of course. Advocate decent dressing. Praise the Lord. Someone told me, you know, her mom, you know, because of the church they, they attend, you know, her mom had been telling her no trousers and all of that. So now they traveled to America around December time. By the time code wanted to finish, the, it's the mother that said, let's go, we are going out, let's go and buy trousers. <laughs> you know, there are some doctrines that only thrive in some part of the country, of the world. You know? Yeah, in the North Pole, you don't believe in trousers. North Pole. Eskimo. We know they wear trousers. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Or you're an engineer. As a lady, you have to climb, or um, you're an interior decorator, and you have to climb. You know, which is more decent? Trousers or skirt at that time? So preach decency. The text that people quote often, a, a woman should not wear that which pertains to a man, is, is a misunderstanding. First of all, the Bible did not say trouser. It says, should not wear that which pertains to a man. So you have to be sure that what you're talking about actually pertains to a man. Because to begin with, men in that day wore skirts. Jesus wore skirts. Don't picture it. Don't picture it. <laughs> Some of you still did it. That's... <laughs> the Bible says, remember that, that episode between Saul and the prophet, he was about to go and he held his what? His skirt and tore it. And he said, that's how you tore my skirt? <laughs> Funny scenario. Say, your kingdom has torn. <laughs> now, scared too. <laughs> so if it is what pertains to trousers, women should not wear. If it's what, about what pertains to men, women should not wear skirts. It's a difficult by the way, the trousers women wear is not the type that men wear. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> but I know some guys, some guys who have tried their sister's trousers on. <laughs> and they realize, ah, the space. 
space everywhere. It's not the same. Praise the Lord. Guys' shirts and women's shirts are not the same. So that text was actually talking about cross-dressing. You know, that's what the text was talking about. Don't, as a man, start trying to, with your dressing, be acting like a woman. I'm saying, who's your bro? I'm not your bro. All these kind of things. That's what the text is talking about. That's what it's talking about. That's what it's talking about. Danny bro, that's 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 what it's talking about. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Preach the gospel. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 as I round off. And of course, when you're preaching the gospel, there are conversation starters. Listen, I can I I can just give you these things mechanically, but I didn't want you to base your faith on that. Can I tell you something? When someone knows that you care about them, even if your approach is not perfect, they will understand. The reason you are so conscious about learning all the gymnastics in evangelism, the right words, is because you have not established yourself as a person of love, as someone who cares about them. Once you present yourself as someone who actually cares about them, then all the means, even if you just say, you know what, guy, I don't even know how to present this, but I want to tell you this, Jesus loves you. You will believe it. Do you get what I'm saying? But as, as far as conversation starters are concerned, people have said things like, you know, when you say, so what's your plan? What do you see? Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? And he says, oh, I see myself doing this. Okay, what about 50 years? What about 100 years? Now, you have already entered the subject of eternity. Do you understand? I say, seriously, where do you see yourself 100 years from now? Do you think there's anything beyond this world? Now you're talking. Praise the Lord. And on purpose, I don't even want to give you more. Do you understand? What is most important is what we've talked about. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Verse 18. And all things are of God, who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given to us the ministry. The word translated ministry actually means message of reconciliation. So God did not just ask you to go and preach. He has told you what to say. Not the person by your side gently say, we have a message, we have a message. Don't go and preach something else. Hallelujah. We have a message. He has given us the message of reconciliation. And he tells you what that message is. Verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. This is what you are supposed to say. That's the word you are supposed to preach. That God in Christ has reconciled the world and he's not imputing trespasses. The Bible says he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish. But have everlasting life. So he died for all our sins so that we don't have to die for our sins. That's the message of the gospel. So the message of an evangelist is not that, oh, you people are sinning, you are doing this, you are doing that. He's watching you in secret. The message is actually that 
Jesus has died for their sins. Tell them you don't have to die for your sins anymore. Someone has died for your sins. Tell them that feeling of inadequacy you feel in private, that pressure to perform, someone has taken your place and his requirement is that you believe. That's how to preach. The Bible says the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried with a loud voice. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. A preacher of the gospel preaches satisfaction. You are a preacher of satisfaction. The fact that Jesus is a living water, a spring of living water, he can quench any thirst. Tell them the happiness that they're looking for is not in their job. The happiness that they're looking for is not in money, it's not in drugs, it's not in alcohol. It's in Christ. That's, that's good news. Jesus offers living water. He preached the same way to the Samaritan woman. Oh, you want to fetch water? I can give you water. That if you drink, you will never thirst again. Some other place, he presented the gospel as bread. Living bread. Some of you bread lovers. Amen. Now that's how to preach. The foodies will be interested. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jokingly serious. But that's how to present the message. Instead of tutu. You know? You know, usually when you hear tutu, you know the song coming after will not make sense. It's a law. Let's try. Tutu. Good morning, Jesus. You know, you know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is on the throne. He's not on the throne. He's in the believer. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Preach this gospel. Preach it as... As the message of love that it is. Oh, for God so loved the world. It's a message of love. Not a message of condemnation. That Christ came into the world. Not to condemn the world. That they may be saved. By him. So loud, amen. amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I want you to take this challenge in the month of September. Praise the Lord. In the month of September. And the hangouts that we're going to have, you know, usually we just, we're still talking to people about the gospel. They're still thinking about it. You know, I say, come to my church. Then they are now annoyed. And you should invite people to your church. It's great. But since we want to establish a friendship first, so the next hangout we're going to have in September, just invite them. Let them see what it means for believers to just relax. Let, let's renew their mind about believers. We've been branded the wrong way. Okay? And then I, I want this church you see, one of, her, one of the daughters I'm most proud of in this ministry 
The first time she came to church, what she wore. Hey, hey. Let me let you know how serious it was. She sat beside one guy. The guy was dating a sister in the church. The sister was uncomfortable. Ah, this guy that sat me and my boyfriend. <laughs> you know? So, they fought after service. They said, why were you smiling at her? <laughs> you know? That's to, to let you know what she wore. Praise the Lord. And everybody, you know, was a little uncomfortable and all of that. For that lady, when she heard the message that day, came the next week a little better dressed, came again, you know. I remember when she came to our house, eventually, my wife offered her food. She said, uh, no, I can't eat. My wife was like, what do you mean? You, you came all the way and you're not eating. She said, uh, I'm on a 30-day fast. I did like this. Personal, we're not, church was not fasting. I said, oh my God, the gospel changes people. Listen, if you say this message you have is powerful, don't be afraid of people that, that need that change. Prove it. Prove it. Don't be intimidated by the weaknesses of people. Accommodate them. When they come around, if they visit, how are you? Welcome them. How are you? You know? Just make sure you're not the one in charge of follow-up. If it's a sister, make sure it's a sister following up. Do you understand? But make sure they don't feel uncomfortable. Praise the name of Jesus. So, how many souls before the end of what month? All right, rise to your feet. Were you blessed? Did you learn anything? Listen, what we just talked about is your destiny. Did you hear what I said? It's your destiny. It's your calling. Take it seriously. I want Celebration Church to continually be known as an evangelical church. And you're doing it with the love of Christ. Just pray in the spirit. Talk to God. And just say, Lord, I, I, I discern your love for the lost. And I flow in that love. I'm going to preach your gospel with boldness. I'm going to tell the whole world I will not be silent. I will not be silent. Make that commitment right now. Come on, I want you to pray better. Pray with more favor right now. Pray with some favor right now. Pray with some favor right now.
everywhere. Hey, I function in the boldness of God. You have taken away the fear from my life. I can share this message because I believe that it's the power of God unto salvation. I refuse to be silent about it. I refuse to be silent about it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for making an army out of us. A people bold to declare your message everywhere. We will not be silent. Confidently and consistently, we are sharing this message. And thank you for signs and wonders following. Oh, thank you for a flow in the gifts of your spirit, confirming our every word. And thank you for love, contagious love, that will begin to emanate from today. Thank you, Daddy. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. So loud, amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.